What is up? Welcome to Cheers to Beers. I'm your host, Jess, and thanks for having a beer with us today, uh, especially today because Shauna's back on the pod recording live from Tucson, Arizona, and uh, it was really great to have her back and catch up on some of the beer goss and really get real about some changes that need to happen in the beer industry. For those who don't know, Shauna is my partner in beer, frequent co-host and founder of Seattle Beer School, which the two of us run and teach beer classes through. Uh, But first, before we get into what we're talking about, uh, let's talk about what I'm drinking right now, which is uh, from Aslan Brewing Ginger Rye. They classify it as a spiced rye ale. Um, Ale's so vague, Um, but kind of drinks like a old school pale ale to be honest but with uh but with just the super bright acidity from the limes not even acidity just like essential oil um and the like spice of the rye and the ginger together it's super lovely I love this beer a lot it's pretty crushable it's like almost tropical even though it's maybe not flavors you necessarily associate with that but I don't know. It kind of reminds me of that. Uh, Great head retention, too, by the way. Good job, boys. Yeah, so this episode, we're just drinking various IPAs. Uh, (laughs) IPAs are just kind of like our comfort food. Um, So that's just what we went with. Uh, I got myself a Standard Brewing Hazy and a Sea Pine Double IPA. Yeah, and so like we just get into... Stuff like Cicerone level knowledge versus actually working at a brewery. Do exact styles even exist? More COVID drama. And we're getting real about quote unquote diversity in the workplace and in the beer industry. I think this is uh, an important episode and we hit a lot of topics uh, that need to be talked about right now. So I'm going to keep this intro short and just get to the episode. So grab a comfort IPA and join us. Cheers. I opened this. Ooh, what is it? From Carlsbad, California. Virgin? Virgin? Beer company? I've never heard know. of it. Yeah, Carlsbad, that's like San Diego. That's what's cool about, you know, traveling down south. They have, first of all, Heater Allen is here. <gasps> really? And so is Breakside. Breakside's not surprising, but Heater Allen. Breakside is, little- yeah. That's dope. That's really and cool to see them all yeah, the way down. There's a shop called uh, Tap and Bottle or bo- Tap and Bottle, Bottle and Tap, Tap and Bottle, downtown, which is close to where we are, where my my sister lives by, so my cousins, um, and their selection's pretty good and stuff. Like I'm like, wow, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, which is always kind have of fun. You, yeah, have you made it? I mean, you haven't been there for that long, but like, have you been able to hit up any um, breweries or anything? I went to Dragoon. And I picked up beer to go, and they make nice. a pretty solid classic West Coast IPA. Yeah, which I was gonna open up next. This is good. It's um, it's a little. I think it could probably have a little more attenuation. It feels like I don't know. Sure. Maybe I'm just like all about that crisp life. I mean, that's fair. Why wouldn't you be? You're also in Tucson, where it's hot as fuck right now. So, oh my god! And today was like cooler. I don't. I think it was like 98. But then there's like cooler. crazy windstorm because it hit 108. I hate that. It's, that shouldn't even be happening. Yeah, like I was so high yesterday. I couldn't cool down. Usually I can like chill out and make yeah, it all work. Yeah. I grew up here. Yeah. I left here for a reason. Uh, many reasons, <laughs> actually. But uh, I yesterday just couldn't get cold. I was just like, <laughs> I felt like a, I felt like a whore in church. <laughs> And I got to my parents' house because I like stopped. We would stop by to do laundry and to hang out. And yeah. I was like, "Mom, do you have tequila and do you have limes?" And she yes, said, I have tequila, no limes. And I was like, "Josh, you need to go get me some limes, <laughs> <laughs> just so I can make margaritas." Oh hell yeah, that sounds great. Um, I need to grab a glass really quick. I have this um, standard IPA that I'm about to break open. Um, Brandon at Bottle Works, of course, just gives me like so much beer whenever I actually pay for beer and then I go to pick it up. I know. Um, So 
It's from Standard. This is one I haven't had yet. It's called Splet Pep. Oh, he was saying it's a reference to Veep, the show Veep. I was wondering about that. Um, Yeah, I guess it's it's a character. Oh, I never watched Veep, but I feel like I'd like it. I love her for sure. Oh, my God. This smells so freaking good. Oh, it's so fresh. Oh, my God. There's literally nothing better than a fresh dry hopped IPA. I was thinking about. Um, how I've been like super just craving IPAs just like all the time, which is kind of my MO anyway. Yeah. Well, (laughs) to be honest, it's either that, like just like a super beautiful dry hopped or just, um, Wayfinders check as fuck. That's just what I want to drink all the time. This may sound bitchy, but I don't think so. Like I just ever worked in a bar before. No idea. Literally no idea. And that's not to take away from any of his knowledge or anything. I'm just curious about that. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't think it makes a difference here or there because he's incredible. But I'm just curious. Those are those right. are those little things about um, why sometimes I think people get weird about Cicerone. I 100% agree. And I think that being like active in the role in terms of like working behind a bar or like, you know, actually doing someone's draft system or whatever. I feel like what is really important in that is like, we can have all the same knowledge, right? But the difference is, is when you're actually doing it, you have to engage in on the spot problem solving, which, because something's always going to go wrong. That's the fucking, anyone who's worked at a brewery or anyone who's like put together a draft system or anything, you know that it's never, ever going to go the way you want. So it's in the moment problem solving that really kind of tests your skill level and then makes you a better like beer professional. That's so I feel a like really that's good like, point. That's like the biggest um, advantage in my opinion, in terms of like having experience actually being behind a bar or you know, doing that sort of maintenance work. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, a lot of this stuff is, um, a little bit like janitorial <laughs> or at least what you did is, in is, is like Even brewers, like half your job is cleaning so much cleaning. Like it's just mostly cleaning. <laughs> yeah. Th- yes. Like anyone who, you know, um, romanticizes a brewing position, which is totally fine and you can romanticize it and it is a fucking awesome job because i mean beer is awesome um but i think that that's something that a lot of people don't realize is it really is i mean not only is it a super laborious job but like you are just cleaning things fucking constantly because you have to or all your work could be totally jeopardized yeah it's like that's in the uh, cleanliness is close to godliness Exactly. But it's like funny, like talking to like Adam and Aaron about it. And they're just like, dude, it's like so much labor. Like the labor is odd, though, because it's not like you're you are buff. (laughs) Like you're you're strong. But you also just have like a dad bod, essentially. Still, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I always say that I think that a brewer of a production brewer down to like a, a small production brewer, a smaller brewery brewer would totally be on my zombie apocalypse team. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. You know what I, I mean, mean like, honestly, like a good brewer, like maybe someone that knows like small batch up to like bigger batches. Mm-hmm. Cause just think about all those skills. Yes. Yeah. Cause like once you get to the point where you're like on a Budweiser scale and it's like all automated, you don't really have those skills, but when you really have to be in it, like, again, it's fucking problem solving. Like if you're in the middle, if you're in the middle of like a brew day and something goes wrong and you have to still like manage your boil or whatever the fuck is happening. And then also like have to fix something that is stressful. Yeah. Like your your capper is not working. Like, whatever's happened it's like making a noise and being weird and like right before that you're like uh you were cellaring and it was taking forever and you're like wait what the is the seal not right like what is this and at the same time you're dealing with that it's like multitasking and problem solving and time management (laughs) so seriously like women would be really good at it Mm, why aren't all brewers women oh wait we were back in the day (laughs) 
it's funny. It's like one of those things my mom will say sometimes. And it's funny because my mom is not, she's like a feminist and she's like a tough woman, but she'll be like, you know, women are just smaller and not as strong as men. It's not even how my mom sounds. She'll be like, you, sh-, you know, I don't know. How does my mom sound? Probably like me sort of. Um, <laughs> but she'll just be like, well, you know, women are smaller and we're stronger in different ways and blah, blah. And I'm like, mom, that kind of narrative isn't like, a don't, we don't have to talk about that. Like, no, exactly. Like you don't just say that. Yeah. For the most part, maybe women are better at certain things than men are, but like, do we need to talk about that? Like, can we just like, just let people do what they're good at and not talk about like gender roles or like, well, exactly. Like the, the concept of genderizing it is just kind of like, we could eliminate that binary and just talk about individual strengths and weaknesses yes. and, and then don't group people together based on like biological evolution. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Josh and I were talking, I don't know. This sounds like probably a not sober conversation, but we're like, nothing's binary nothing absolutely no nothing. it's right i 100 percent agree actually it wasn't josh it was maybe my cousin i was like except for maybe geometry because mm-hmm. geometry is like exact it's like point a to point b which is like an actual binary so science <laughs> parts of science are binary yeah because certain things are exactly that right like gravity is an absolute truth <laughs> Yeah, like the moon is this many feet feet away. Like how many feet is the moon? <laughs> that's away? how they're, like, that's the how they're measuring it by feet. <laughs> but it also like it translates to beer so quickly too, because it's like there is no exact style. Yeah, or like exact way of making something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is something that we've talked about in our classes before, too, is like when someone tries, when a customer or whoever asks, what is a Saison? What is a farmhouse ale? That It's always like so, it's, it really is because I can sit here and I can be like, well, this is where, this is a history of the Saison. This Mm -hmm. is what it means. Um, But in today's world, especially the American craft brewing scene, it, it means so many different things. Yeah, Saison has always been Saison's a good a really good example because it's like Saison's almost like the 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 beer of 2020 almost or the beer of like mm-hmm. of like the 2000s into like or the totally. beer of now because it's like so many things that we thought something was or what it what what you know what we always thought it was it's just not. Mm-hmm. And like it could shift to be this, it could shift to be that. I think that's the cool thing about Saison. It's like Saison is like just a a style that is expression of the moment. Ooh, I love that. You know what I yes. think, right? Because yeah, we yeah. could say that an American saison tends to be this, or a Belgian says, but like even that doesn't hold true. So it's mm-hmm. cool because I think yeah, maybe it's mixed culture, maybe it's funky, maybe it's uh, completely like super duper dry, and and it has season, it has seasoning, <laughs> seasoning. <laughs> it has Italian seasoning in it. <laughs> the Italian herb mix. <laughs> the Italian herb mix. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like that's... Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, that's funny, too, because, like, in my process of studying for Cicerone, a lot of it was, um, you know, style studies. And it's it's like, of course, when you think Cezanne, Cezanne Dupont is, like, the ideal, that is, like, the main commercial example that we're going to think of. And yep. it is an incredible beer, and it influenced a lot of that evolution of that style but at the same time like what a uh saison dupont versus like a floodland beer both of them are like saisons quote-unquote but like worlds apart yes and it's like i think we learn same thing why we learn about history so that we can either learn from it or yeah i guess that's the main reason we learn about history yeah, it's yeah. to learn from it and either like don't do it again or to build on it or yes. maybe certain things do stay the same because they're so perfect like check pilsner right like we're not going to rewrite that recipe it's like why would you why would you rewrite othello why would you rewrite <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean Othello's not even my favorite one i don't know why that came to my head first <laughs> um like what's the best my macbeth mm-hmm. Like it's mm-hmm. already so perfect. Like you could change some components, but like you change the storyline, it's a different beer, a different beer, different, different uh, play. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's like, you know, it's without studying styles, it's like, how do you even know what you're talking about? Yeah, because you have to, you, right? you have to have a baseline to build off of. And I think that is like a good point where you're saying about history. A lot of people just in general, like find history boring or like in school, it was their least favorite subject. Or even when it comes to craft beer, oh, history. Ah. I've always loved history because Me in my too. opinion, it's just storytelling. And I mean, it is his story. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some entomology aspect to that. Um, they need to fix that. But they do. They, <laughs> quote unquote, they, um, we, but yeah, I mean, like, not only does it give us a, a point to be like, don't do this or continue on this, but like, what are we missing? Like, what has been mm-hmm. forgotten? What part of this history hasn't been told? And can we discover it and then not only expose it, but then like reinvent it in a way? I just think a, a lot about, um, like, quote unquote, historical styles like yeah. that are now very prominent in uh, American craft brewing, like a Goza. That's the biggest yeah. one. It's so, cr- it's so funny how like that you see that fucking everywhere. And still in the uh, BJCP um, like stylistic guidelines, it's still under the historical category. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that BJCP is run by volunteers. Oh yeah. So it just like takes a while to update shit. Just, you know, like being a part of the AHA, like, Things just take a while because everyone's like, well, ain't getting paid. Or, or, you know, it's that's not the mentality. It's just like, it's hard once a month or like, but I do, if they were able, if it was run by like a freaking corporation or nonprofit, or I guess it is a nonprofit, um, it would be like already a normal style. Oh, for sure. And also it's just one of those things where, the beer scene is evolving really quickly and constantly. So it's like, how do you even keep up with that? And like, how do you judge, oh, this is something that's going to stick around or not? Like you do have to give it time to see what's actually still going to be relevant in the industry two, three years from that given point. Do you remember people being like, oh yeah, the hazy thing is just not going to last. I on, I've said that on this podcast, like three years ago, I'm like, oh, oh it's a phase. there's an episode. I'm sure someone can find it. I remember saying that like, oh, I was like, I'm over it. Like, mm, yeah. what's new? Like, what's next? No, I mean, I'm drinking a hazy right now. <laughs> you're not wrong. I mean, you weren't wrong. Like, I mean, God, if I could look back on all the things I've said, yikes. <laughs> They're out yeah. there. I'm sure yeah. I've some outlandish things on this podcast that I've already learned is incorrect. That it it's quite the learning process for sure. I'm okay with that. Like, you know, people get upset with like politicians for um be, you don't want someone that's super wishy-washy because then you don't know what they stand for. But if exactly. someone's like used to stand for something and then they don't, I'm unless it's they're already assholes, but like if someone is especially a progressive who maybe their stance on gay marriage wasn't what it should have been and then they learned or maybe their constituents persuaded them otherwise and then they adopted something new like okay cool like maybe i won't respect you as much because you should have had that yeah mentality from the start but the fact that you learned maybe and like moved forward okay cool there's a lot of like people who don't Exactly. And I think that's also something that people are more willing to uh, forgive these days, too. I think that if you have the guts to own up to the fact that you were wrong about something, but now you understand why you were wrong and this is your stance now, that's 100% respectable because we're all fucking human. There's no way that all of us are going to be right about everything. Thanks, babe. Got new. I got the Dragoon IPA. Noise, noise. It's super herbal. This IPA, it's kind of nuts. Um, yeah, I, you know, it's crazy. And I also because I haven't been to No Anchor in the right. last couple weeks because yeah. of just uprooting, and like, I'm like nervous to go back. That's fair, dude. I, I would be too. Only because it's just like, 
I mean, I don't know. I feel like people are probably going to behave and it'll be fine, but it's also just like, I don't know if I, I don't, I don't want to go to a, a bar or restaurant. Yeah, dude. And that's a big thing for servers too. Like if you work in the service industry, if you're kind of like front of house um, in the beer industry, you don't have a choice of how much contact you have with people. Whereas the people you're serving do have a choice. Like if they're the type of people who have like a regular office job who get to work from home and their escape is being able to go go out to a tap room, which I hear you. I feel the same way. But like y'all get to choose. For the people who are serving you, we don't. We don't know what a a day-to-day base in terms of traffic is going to be like. So when you pull shit like, oh, I don't want to wear my mask to go up to the bar to order because I've been here for a couple pints already. And okay, cool. Like you are literally, you're putting me in danger. Yeah. It's like Ice-T tweeted that basically people wearing a mask is an IQ test. (laughs) Yeah, man, that's real. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think I've ever heard anything that Ice-T has said that I disagreed with. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, I've thought a lot about this because this, this pandemic has really brought out a lot of inequality, mm-hmm. not just with economics or just like jobs or, you know, color your skin, all, you know, because this pandemic has mostly... Uh, disproportionately affected people of color mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. even got sick but like yeah you're hourly yep. um, you don't get the luxury of working from home and yep. you know i'm lucky because i'm married to josh who has a job where he can work from home mm-hmm. it wasn't for me and i had the finman like yeah even you know even if i was working at the brewery normal but it's like you know it's just not enough to like make enough money to live in seattle so like yeah. You know, you bring up like the people coming to the and they're having a great time and they want to drink this and do that. And it's like, I don't want to talk shit. But when Fremont opened, like they're arguably one of the biggest, like most popular beer gardens in the Pacific Northwest. Absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like it or not a leader in the community. Mm -hmm. Many regards. And that blew my mind that that happened. Like, yeah, they can't police people wearing their masks. They're not in charge. But you tell people they they can't be like, we won't let you in without a mask. But like, that was shocking to me. Yeah. And uh, for those who don't know what we're talking about, um, when we when things were starting to open back up in Seattle, which took a lot longer than the rest of the country, which, in my opinion, was good. I mean, only 100 percent. Yeah. Not only was it based on the amount of uh, COVID cases that were being reported, but also just like slowing our role and not like needing to get people out and about. But once it happened, people are eager. People are antsy. They want to get out. Um, And it just at at Fremont, it just like was really poorly. uh, I don't even want to say advertised, but they posted on their Instagram account like this line of people and no one's wearing masks like no one it's not even like a six foot distance and that's like super easy to mark on the ground um it was just and they, <sighs> they got a lot of a lot of heat from it which in their minds they were just like hey look at our community look at the people coming out we're so excited to see you guys so it was like it, it was good intention but like you said they are leaders in the community so when you have that amount of responsibility on your social media platform, you cannot post shit like that. And you also cannot let your patrons behave that way. Yeah. It was just like shocking because like, to me, like a lot of people are dealing with a little bit of like, especially people who are dealing with mental health stuff, like PTSD, PTSD, PC, post-traumatic stress syndrome. I mean, this is nothing comparison to people who've been to war and shit like that, but like, you know, people are having some harder time than others. Mm-hmm. And like just to be like, all right, we're open. Uh we it just felt like so crazy to me. Cause then like where are all those people gonna go when they're done with that? Exactly. All fucking drunk, trying to get some food somewhere, not wearing a mask. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's it's a really this has nothing tough to do with beer at all. <laughs> I mean, it does. It it totally does. I mean, this is about the climate and like how this industry is adapting to it. Um 
but yeah, it's just like, we all don't know what we're doing, right? We're all learning along the way. And like we said earlier, if, if you can own up to what you've done wrong, apologize for it, and then actively do better, good. Because that's all you can do as both an individual and a business. Um, but you got to just be aware of what the fuck you're posting and what the fuck you're promoting. And otherwise, you're going to get like <laughs> attempt to be canceled on the internet, basically. Because yeah. people have I mean, time right now and they are on the social media and they're looking for shit like this. Oh, yeah. So much time. And it's like, Fremont, you know whatever we got over it it was stupid of them i'm i don't think they apologized about it and that's fine they didn't they if i were them i probably would have been like listen sorry we were just really excited blah 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 blah. but it's fine the the other more egregious things are like skookum right like yep just being completely silent when it comes to anything like Black Lives Matter or, and not even just silent, but like posting stuff that is just completely opposite what needs to be said. But granted, like, if that's who you are, that's who you are. But then you have to realize that people probably aren't going to want to drink your beer anymore. Yeah. And I think that something that's really bothering me about this too is just how. I don't know, just like following something like Worst Beer Blog on Instagram. And uh, he's constantly posting like screenshots from Facebook, basically showing all the fucking madness. Um, but a lot of people just saying things like, I used to drink your beer, but now you're making it political. So I'm going to have to walk away from your business. And I'm sorry, like, I am sorry that you think this is a political issue. This we're talking about people's lives. Like, if you don't have the ability to take a step back and realize what your privilege is and what your role in our society is, then you don't get a fucking say. Then no one fucking cares. Leave the brewery. No one is missing your business. Like this is not a political issue. This is a like humanity issue. In my mind, I think everything's political. Now, not like, you know, politicians political, but right. You take a stand for something mm-hmm. and like when people are like, oh, I, I just don't talk politics or I don't do this. Like that is privilege. You get the sure privilege of not talking about something that is affecting your life. Like, like it or not, you live in the United States of America and there's a lot of fucked up things that happen here. And if you can't talk about it or like take a stand or like take a position, then like, what are you doing? Yeah. Right. It's just like we're and I understand it's like hard for some people to cope with and wrap their heads around, especially because a lot of people are coming face to face with these issues for the first time in their lives. So it's Mm -hmm. overwhelming. Um, But uh, I don't want to sound like a dick, but like tough luck. Like this is what uh, a lot of marginalized and people of color have dealt with for their entire existence. So like the fact that you feel like, oh, why is everything political? Or like, oh, can't we just talk about this without it being like this? It's like, nope. no, we can't. Sorry. Like, sorry. You know that old if- rule, like don't talk politics at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I think it should be, please do talk politics at the dinner table. Because that's the funny thing is when people are like, well, I, you know, I'm more Republican or I'm a more conservative, but like, you know, that doesn't really say much about me as a person. Like that says everything. If you are the type of person who is like against human rights, then why would I want to be at this dinner table with you? Like, exactly. And it does like, yeah. affect like breweries and beer because like, you know, for, for the most part, craft brewing is pretty progressive. Like the people who are yeah. doing it. Um, and it's just like one of those things of like, you can't, you can't just separate it and just like cover your ears. Exactly. Um, but on that topic though, I think what's been really cool is seeing a lot of these breweries coming out and I know there's the black is beautiful beer that's been going around. I don't know if that's one recipe that a lot of different breweries are doing or if they're just using the name. Okay. Um, so it's a Texas brewery, and I, I believe Austin proper. 
that it's, it's like their initiative yeah hell yeah um so it's it's been cool seeing the beer community come up come out for that um i know aslan's about to come out with a beer by the time this podcast comes out it'll be out um that it isn't the black is beautiful recipe because it's a lager but it's like 100 percent of the proceeds of that beer is going to black lives matter um maybe the king county chapter i'm not sure um but i don't know it's it's been really cool seeing people really like come out for the community in that way and in a way that's never been done before and i think that the reason why it's been such a collaborative effort is also because of covid like i don't think we would be having such a transformative period if all these people weren't able to like be home or forced to be home yeah there's a lot of like really positive things that have come from covid and Mm -hmm. there I, i do think like there's a reason that a lot of things came to a head at this point. Like there's been a lot of rallies and there's been a lot of protests in the past five years of that have been building momentum. Totally. But like you get, you get people who are out of work, um, you know, and Hey, listen, what else, what else we got to do? Exactly. I mean, well, there's a lot of things to do, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's cool that it, that finally people are starting to, listen i think it's it's helping to to just talk about it even just awareness of it of totally like agree. even just breweries finally understanding that you know just craft breweries like how many like black owned or people of color breweries can you name and it's like you know i don't know I can name like maybe five you know what i mean off the top of my yeah. head yeah, and I think that historically, black people have not been included in the beer industry. And I think this is a big thing uh, about just kind of like white culture and white supremacy in general is it's not always about the purposefully exclusion of other people. It's the fact that exclusion happens without you knowing about it or without you being aware of it. Like so, like subliminal, not subliminal, like uh, subconscious bias, exactly. right? Right. And I think for me, uh, whenever we talk about inclusion, I think prior to 2020, basically, inclusion felt like a space only for white women. Like when people were talking about inclusion in the beer industry, what they were saying was white women. They're comfortable with that. because that's comfortable right so they're like when we talk about diversity in their minds it's like oh we need more women in the bear industry which we do um but it's so much further than that it's so much more far beyond that and i feel like that's a benefit that we're gonna you know see progress just from here on out i think i already know a lot of breweries are taking on like diversity and equity programs to be like this is something that we I uh, just have never acknowledged before. And in that acknowledgement, it's basically actively working against it. So um, it's time that we fucking fix that shit. And I don't think any of this would have happened if we didn't have this crazy collision of like social justice issues and a uh, global pandemic at the same time. It's wild. Yeah. I guess when like shit hits the fan, sometimes you realize your priorities and the people that have your back and the people that don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you also throw into the mix that you're on your phone a lot more often and you see what people who you think are leaders in the community are saying and what they're not saying. And granted, like, to be honest, like, some, I got I got burnt out of being on social media. And, like, it's, it's exhausting. And mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, boy. Like, what are you yeah. going to do? And... But the good news about beer, so like the black is beautiful thing, I know that there's been people who have taken two different sides on it, right? Not just white people, but like, oh, why now? Like, black is beautiful. Why Why would the American Homebrewers Association like take this on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's pandering. Sure. Um, yeah. Which is you know, a hundred percent an optic to take on it, a framework or some people will be like, well, why not now? 
So yeah. you, you see like these different kind of conf conflicting, but not really like personally, I I'm just like, well, might as well do something now. Otherwise what's going to happen. Otherwise we'll just keep waiting for the perfect, perfect moment. And like there is no such thing. Sometimes pandering can lead to actual like people's changing of their minds. Right. Like Aunt Amazon coming out with like a social media post saying like, we care about black lives. Hashtag BLM. Like, yeah. Fuck you guys. You don't. You're just doing this for the optics. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, it's like the same thing with a uh, corporation sponsorship of pride. It's like. Y'all are doing this because the social uh, atmosphere is shifting and you can make money off of it. Exactly. It's fucked. Yeah. Um, but that's happened for so many issues for so long. So it's like, if that's how it starts, I guess that's better than nothing. But I just like, no, no one feels good about seeing something being like, that doesn't seem legit. Like, <laughs> I don't feel like that company's ever stood for diversity hiring a diverse like employee base or like actually trying to include people that are different from what they look like. Mm -hmm. People just get scared and it's fucked. Yep. Like how many brewery and Seattle is bad because like it's so white mm -hmm. and I think that people have this, people are like, I'm liberal. I'm done. Exactly. They think the work is done else. at that point. So I've been thinking a lot about like Seattle beer school and like what we can do mm -hmm. to help. And it's like, yeah, we've donated money and money's good. Like it's like Glossier donated $1 million. Like half went to black lives matter. Half went to like uh, black owned cosmetic lines. Mm -hmm. That's great. It's putting your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that makes a difference. But it's like, what can we do that will actually help? Because help bring people that aren't normally involved in the beer community in. And I think education is one of just like educating anyone, like giving people mm -hmm. the tools to like, be like, okay, well, now I guess I've learned a little more. Here I go. Yeah. And not to say that, you know, marginalized groups don't know about beer. Um, but if you don't have access to certain things, I know I've been lucky as like a white person just to be able to like, oh, I guess I, I, I'm just going to like spend time learning about craft beer. Year. Something that I've thought a lot about of like, how can we help? Yeah. And I think too, that, that also kind of plays into, um, we talk a lot in craft beer. Something that I've talked a lot about is uh, the reason why we love it so much is because we create a community around th the beverage that is beer, um, which is great. And that's why I fell in love with the industry. But like how much, I don't know. In if I'm like judging my values, how, how important and like how much of a community actually is it if it's not fully inclusive? And I don't think it is a, a true community until we are fully inclusive. So it's like we really are just going to have to figure out how to do the work to make sure that we are creating those spaces for people. Because I think that's a big issue is just either white people taking over black space or uh, people of color space um, or not creating any spaces for them. And we're in the position where we can do that. So it is our job to do it. And you know, I think this is something that you and I have known for a while, but it's really coming to light where it's like, oh, no, we have to actively be doing this. Otherwise, we, we just can't say that, like, oh, we're these people. And, like, I believe that we are those type of people that can create a safe space. I think that we've had um, a lot of women and a lot of queer people feel safe in our classes and, like, want to participate in our classes because of who we represent. But, like, we don't represent and everyone except for women basically it is something that's just totally at the forefront of our thought process now which it should be it should have always been and it's it, you know i get it like you can just be like well i stand for this but it's like <laughs> actions actually speak louder than words and um yeah so it's like like breweries like 
you know, you could you can kind of see through like breweries being like, well, we're doing this or we're doing that. And it's like, yeah, but can we look at your workforce? Exactly. Yep. Like, you know, like, okay, yeah, you, you are doing um, this beer to help this group of people, but like, are you hiring people? Are you promoting people within your company that have been with your company for a long time? Or are you hiring men from the outside to take on roles? Because they're your friends. Yeah. And that happens all the time. Like it's a club. And it's especially hard in Seattle. Like you and I have talked about this before, how there's a sense of gatekeeping of what this industry is and you have to prove yourself to finally be in it. And it's like being a different demographic isn't enough. Like there's just so much that you and I both have individually had to like work towards to finally get people to like accept us and take us seriously and just invite us to uh, just parties even you know where it's like why did I have to work so hard for that you know that's just a specific Seattle attitude in my opinion yeah and it's like that's for us and that's not even that hard in comparison to like right just the most insane sort of racism of like you know people clutching their purses or like crossing the side of the road or I don't Mm -hmm. know just being shot for um hang just being alive Exactly. Yeah. Um, there is a, a beer establishment in Seattle that I've uh, talked to a friend about where the owners were like, we want more divert. Like, why is it only that like white men work here? It's like, we need more inclusion. And then this person was like, okay, well, like you have to actively like try to get out there and like show that you want women and people of color to work for your company. And they're like, but how, like, we don't really know how to, because no one of that demographic is demographic is applying. So we want this to happen, but like no one's applying. So like, what are we supposed to do? Like, that's the point where you're like, okay, you don't get to give up at that point. You don't get to say no one's applying. You have to then look you have and that because who fucking cares like yeah you tried like all of us are trying you have to really look within yourself and your company at that point and say what are we doing that makes these people not want to work here like and what can we do to reach out to these people to make them feel comfortable you can't just exist and expect these people to feel comfortable and want to come to you like you have to do the work it's like i think about founders all the time because they fucked up in so many different ways. I mean, not only did they mistreat someone so poor, it's just so bad. And they hired a woman to head up diversity and inclusion. And she left and wrote an open letter that was just like, they will not listen essentially. Wow. So, okay. So that all that was for show then. Well, yeah, you, you can't create a a committee like that or like hire someone to inc- make your workforce more diverse and then tell them that they can't do this, this, and this, and this. That literally is white supremacy in action. Or yeah, they just wouldn't listen or they, you know, wouldn't take her advice. You hire someone like Dr. J, let's say. Yes, yes. And she will guide you to take steps but if mm-hmm. you're just like, mm, I don't know, then why did you even hire that person? Exactly. Like and if that person leaves. Oh, here we go. There's Ella. Oh. <laughs> Both kitties are hungry. They love the RV life. Oh, good. That's great. They didn't at first, but now they do. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tricky, and I'm sure I've misspoke a million times. Of course we have. I mean, like, and that's just a part of it. It's just a part of growing, and, like, is, as long as we're actively trying to undo any harm we've done and work towards being better, like, that's, that's what we can do. I just always think of beer culture and, like, you know, the work that they've done, he's done to kind of, like, dismantle some of the fucked up shit that's happened in the beer world. Mm-hmm. And it's more than that. It's like a microcosm. 
Yes. The beer industry is a microcosm of like the country at large. Totally. Um, so it's just like, I don't know. I feel like the last, especially the last month or so, I've just wanted to be quiet and I just wanted to listen. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I'm just like, I don't even want to, I just kind of want to be like, or right. the thing too about like being quiet and being distance, distanced and um, learning and listening too is like in that space, you are able to work on yourself. On this note, I did want to bring up something really quick. Um, you know, Nightmare Brewing? I, don't, I forget where they're located. I think they're on the East Coast. Uh, yeah, they're the East Coast. They're in New Jersey. Okay. Did you hear about what happened with their artist? Oh, boy. No. So their artist does this, like, really rad. I mean, it's really grotesque. The, the art is cool, it's but it is creepy. Yeah, it's very uh, visceral Delican and gory. Death. Yeah, it, it depicts a lot of, um, like, intense, Pirates? like, and, like, torture shit, like, ripping limbs apart and, like, insane shit, right? Um, their, the owner recently came out because I guess the artist had posted something on their Instagram that was attempting to be a satire. But if you look at it without knowing his context, which also he did not provide, someone asked for context, and all he said was history, and um, it was basically an image of like the German Nazi eagle. And underneath it were signs hanging up that said like Marxism and uh, BLM. And then right next to it was like a caricature of Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden, like as a baby wearing a mask. And his the artist's defense was that this is a satire. This is like looking at how insane things are right now. But the fact that he, one, didn't provide any context or and basically, I don't want to say refused, but wasn't like, hey, this is what this means. Just put that out there. It's going to be interpreted in a certain way because it's a visual art. So, like, I look at that and I see that you're comparing Black Lives Matters to Nazis. Um, and then also just don't fucking put work out like that right now. Just chill on it. Just think about the space and the time that you're occupying by doing something like that. Just be aware for one fucking second. And I guess the owner of Nightmare contacted him and was like, hey, man, this is fucked up. You shouldn't be doing this. And the artist kind of like pushed back on him because he was, in his opinion, like standing his ground on his artwork. And he's like, I can't hire you anymore. Like, you're done. Like, I, I can't have you here. So this entire theme and style that nightmare has associated with this artist they were just like nope we're not fucking doing this because even if you don't believe these things you chose to put this out and create an image and you knew how people were going to interpret it it's crazy because to me like wow um that's i mean good on them are they is he doing a satire of like that's what like uh white people republicans think of black Lives matter Yes, I think he was. It was like trying to be this, like, oh, isn't it crazy that this is what people think? But like, it, even within the artwork, there was no contextualization of that. It was just presenting these really intense ideas that maybe if you are like a really intense liberal or you know this guy and you understand his work, it makes sense. But when you have that big of a platform and just fucking anyone's going to see it, you have to understand how people are going to interpret that. And I, I think that was. Yeah, I guess the hard thing is, like, it gets tricky because you don't want to censor artists. Totally. And right? I think that was his argument. He was like, art can be interpreted in many different ways, which a fucking course it can. But, like... Oh, boy. That's... Ugh. Yeah. Like, you... You should have done that, though. You're still making a choice to put something out there at a certain time. And when your artwork is connected to a brewery that closely, you also represent that brewery. Like, uh, because of what people know, like people are just associating you with that brewery. Satire like, has always been a extremely difficult thing to, for sure, of course, put out there. And the fact that it, except the fact that it upset people, means he's successful. Like it should have been obvious, and the fact that it wasn't, that's the problem. Yeah, means like. What are you trying to say, dude? Like, exactly, exactly. Oh, boy. Like, yeah, 
And it does express sort of a, a inherent um, privilege of being able to put that out there. I probably need, I need to eat something. I'm like. I do want to say, though, I'm drinking this double IPA from Sea Pine. I love that it, beer. Rainbow Suspenders is so fucking good. It is it's, so good. It's the best beer they they make. When I first moved to Seattle, I had Rainbow Suspenders, which is, they're now condos, but it was like a weird old kind of like Seattle pub on Finney. On, mm. Well, I guess it'd be Greenwood. Um, and it was like a weird sort of like, I don't know, there's TVs, but like, it was like so Seattle. And I ordered a Rainbow Suspenders and it was so damn good. And then... Finney Pizza, like um, Ridgewood. Ridge? No. Ridge Pizza? The Ridge? The Ridge. Um, They always had rainbow suspenders, and I would like... Josh and I had a ritual for a while. We'd go on Wednesday nights, like when I got off work. Because they were open late, and the bartender would... Oh, there's a spider there. Uh, Mm, The bartender would play uh, Samantha B. (laughs) Oh, amazing. So you just like go get beer and pizza and watch her. He'd turn off all sports. Amazing. Samantha would be B would be on every screen. I love that. It was amazing. Love it when you can find a bartender that just fucking gets you. He was like an old like a kind of an old pudgy white man. So I was like Yeah. All right. right. Good for you, dude. That was a Titan cast episode. Can you say I smell like apple juice slash pee? <laughs> <laughs> he just laughed. <laughs> <laughs>